The Milwaukee Bucks' five-game winning streak has come to an end in Boston. The Bucks lost tonight 119 to 116 to the Celtics. And honestly, the game wasn't even really all that close until the Bucks went on a crazy fourth quarter run to make the score look a little bit more respectable. That fourth quarter run was led by Damian Lillard and Brooke Lopez, of all people, who combined for 23 points in the quarter. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at what the Bucs did in the fourth quarter to kind of get back into that game, discuss how the Bucs matched up with the Celtics, and talk about if personal perceptions of this team have changed about their place in the Eastern Conference hierarchy after this loss. So all of that and more coming up on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are locked on Bucks. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us today after a, a tough L for the Bucks. I'm Camille Davis. In addition to this podcast, you can catch me weekly on the Technical File Podcast as well as Cheesehead TV's Carry the G and MKE. For a big game like this, we had to bring in the entire crew. So joining me is as well is uh, Justin Garcia from the Bucks Radio Network, and Frank Madden, longtime voice of the pod and the founder of BrewHoop.com. Again, definitely appreciate you all tuning in, and thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of the day. Now, Frank, I'm going to start with you here. The Bucks got off to another slow start in this game against the Celtics, and in the first half, it honestly seemed like the Celtics couldn't miss as it is. The Bucs face a deficit as large as 21 points throughout this game, and the Bucs finally outscored the Celtics during a quarter in the fourth. Uh, but as mentioned before, the comeback efforts fell quite short. So what were some of the biggest changes that you noticed in the fourth quarter to help them get back into the game and make that final score more respectable? Um, well, I, let me just start with saying I was figured my internet just broke right off the start, which feels like a, an apt metaphor for the Bucs. Like... <laughs> They just uh, came out and um, it felt like Boston was, you know, eager to like basically show that they are the best team in basketball. And, you know, Jalen Brown blowing by Giannis and posterizing Brooke on the very first possession of the game felt like um, kind of a statement. There were two national podcasts complaining about Jalen Brown uh, this week between Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe. So felt like a statement game from Jalen Brown. He had eight assists tonight, guys, like a very un-Jalen Brown-like game. He was, um, I feel like the whole Celtics team put together like their season highlight reel of dunks in this game. Like Brooke Lopez looked like a stuntman uh, in the in the Celtics uh, highlight reel tonight. Porzingis got him. Jalen got him. Jalen had a half, uh, you know, a half court windmill off a back cut. Um, Sam Hauser had an alley-oop. I mean, like seriously, like they, they were just, clowning the bucks for for periods of this game um and that's why i honestly I camille i don't even know what to do with this game given how it ended right we've seen the celtics have these struggles closing teams out they literally lost their last game blowing a nine point lead in the final two minutes they, they did their best to do it again tonight and i think the obvious things that happened in the fourth quarter were Dame time happened and it'd be nice if Dame time, you know, could happen before halftime at some, at some point, you know, outside of maybe like the Toronto game, uh, it'd be nice uh, to have like a hotter start. And um, if the bucks could make shots that not just a Dame problem there. Uh, but yeah, just a, a really slow start kind of just 
all the stuff that you were not hoping to see from the Bucks in that first quarter in particular. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, um, I think they were definitely had some more aggression defensively. I mean, Dame mixing it up, getting, you know, the, the, the steal when, when he, and Porzingis had a, uh, a mismatch on him. Um, the refs were definitely letting them play. You know, there were definitely calls where it's, it, it's kind of those things where it's like, you know, I don't, I thought the Celtic, the Celtics were allowed to do a lot to the bucks all night. Um, you know, plays what you can call like, like Dame had a couple where it's like, you know, he basically, you know, he, he forced basically fouls on the Celtics and then the refs just didn't call it. I mean, like Sam Hauser was getting calls, no he calls. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and you can say, well, you know, he's, he's just like going for the foul. It's like, well, yeah, but I mean, it's a foul. <laughs> like, you know, like if Sam Hauser gets his arm, you know, locked in with Dame and Dame goes up, like, you know, you can say if, okay, well, that shouldn't be a three shot foul if it's, you know, 30 feet from the basket, but I mean, it's a foul. Like, and you know, we saw a play where it wasn't called and he was really pissed about that. So I think it kind of was like the Bucks were just like, all right, you're just not going to call fouls. Like, okay, we're just going to start playing really physically. And the refs swallowed the whistles on that end a bit. And so I think the whistle kind of went in their way a little bit. And then, you know, Dame, I think just making plays and yeah, I know Celtics maybe losing a bit of focus um, that they'd had throughout the game. So I, I don't know. I mean, you know, is there something you can like bottle there and say like, Oh, the, the bucks unlocked something um, there that they didn't earlier. You know, I don't know. Um, I think it was good to see Dame. He's three for 10 for net from three tonight. So, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, again, not getting off the schneid really still hasn't heated up from three. Um, but we saw him in that fourth quarter, get downhill repeatedly, um, get to the rim finish against the Celtics, you know, whether it was Horford Porzingis, right. Um, he's going to be able to attack those bigs in pick and roll. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, the fact that he rim checked himself <laughs> on oh, that final, that final attempt that, um, you know, was the, the kind of quick two, was just too bad, right? Because um, he'd been having a really good quarter, and I thought it was, you know, important for him probably to, you know, someone out of the the, the Bucks big three had to eventually wake up and and start making some plays. Chris finally hit a couple shots late as well, but um, but yeah, just uh, I thought of you know in general, obviously, I think you're going to look at the box score and say the Bucks best players just weren't good tonight. You know, Brooke Lopez finally like broke out, but the Bucks best players were not good. And Brooke Lopez leading scorer for the Bucks this evening. Yeah, for the game. Which, which, for the entire game. I don't I don't know if that's a good thing, but um I don't know, Justin. I'll, I'm I mean, I'll put it to you. I, I I kind of struggle to I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna call this a moral victory or something like that. I think I was expecting I was fully expecting like a 10 to 15 point loss tonight going in. So on some level, um, you know, I, I appreciate that they just sort of hung in this game and like just didn't let go of the rope entirely uh, and that they did give themselves a chance late when the Celtics again, just sort of, I don't know, just kind of got antsy nervous and lost some of their focus. But I don't know what your kind of big takeaways were if there were, you know, clear positives for you, because again, just a, a weird game that I don't know. I don't know that we've learned a lot for what this means in the grand scheme of the universe, but you know, there is definitely some eye of the beholder sort of aspects to this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't, um, and like the other thing for me is, uh, and I think all of us agree on this point too, the whole like, well, moral victories here. Like that's what you do for young teams and for yeah. teams that are like building towards the playoffs. When you when you enter the season with a goal of 
we're going to be a championship team and we want to win a, another championship. You don't take moral victories like 15 games into a season. So like to that point, I agree. I think to me, what really stood out was like first and foremost, for whatever reason, this team just doesn't play well in the first quarter. We thought that was gone uh, for about a week and then it reared its ugly head again. And as, as Adrian Griffin said after the game, essentially, this is not the type of team that you can do it against. Nope. You can't ease into games when, in his exact words, where we can't ease into games against the Celtics and, and teams of that caliber. And that's what we did tonight. And for whatever reason, we've had a tendency of doing, it's not as easy as like, well, look at the first and fourth quarters, but that was a lot of it because the Bucks just dug this hole that you couldn't get out of. Dame was what? I think one of seven in the first quarter. Giannis was, was brutal as well, Two missing a lot of, yeah, shots at the rim that this team usually makes. And that was another thing when Griff was asked, I think, by Eric after the game about um, what did you see from Drew Holiday defensively? And, and his answer was, well, we missed a lot of shots at the rim. Um, it's kind of the chicken and egg thing of like, yeah, but how much of that was, which I think we kind of assumed. The Celtics had Drew Holiday on Giannis as the primary guy, and he was the point of attack. And, and what that does, like I'm sure the last five years, other teams said, well, we miss shots at the rim that we usually do. Like, well, yeah, that's our defense, and that's what we're trying right. to get you to do. But it was just such a big hole against a good team that started hot, and that compounded things, too, with the Celtics were above 50% from everywhere, basically, for the first 30 minutes of the game. And it, it changed in the fourth quarter. Part of that, as Frank mentioned, was the Celtics, this is kind of their finishing move, is we allow you to get back into the game um so to me it's not so much a hey it's a moral victory but my takeaway is i expected a loss in this game before the game tipped i was talking about it with dave kane and we both said what's your gut feeling we were both like i think i think we'd probably lose by double digits that you know the bucks not a a matter of like reading your own press clippings but things have been going their way that they've been like hey they turned it around and that was the narrative around this team Celtics just lost a terrible game to the Hornets. It just seemed to all add up to between that and the fact that the Celtics have basically destroyed the Bucs for the last three years. And they're clearly, there is no fear from Boston about the Bucs. Just seemed like it was going to be a loss. Um, but to me, as crazy as it is to say, it just kind of proved the point of this was a trade you needed to make because there's going to be more of the narrative for the next few days now. Oh, do you think the Bucks would redo that trade if they knew Drew would end up there and we'll revisit those lazy storylines? But tonight kind of illustrated you had to make that move because, you know, when you have Dame and the Celtics are a team that has have habitually had issues closing out games, we've seen Damian Lillard close out, what, three games already this season? And I know it's regular season, but if you can just... Find somebody else to hit shots, whether that's Giannis or Brooke or who knows. The first three quarters of the game, we've seen Damian Lillard saying, I'll take it the rest of the way. You weren't going to do that with the old setup, that your defense was going to be much better, sure, but you still have to outscore the opponent, and that includes scoring points, and it was something the Bucks just could not do. So I think if both these teams stayed as they were, the Celtics were clearly better. Maybe the Celtics are still better than the Bucks. But you knew it was more of a given if you didn't make this move. So long story short, as crazy as it is to say, tonight gave me more confidence. And not that I needed it, but yeah, the Bucks. this was the right move to make this deal for Damian Lillard. 
one one and, note one note quick real quick camille just on the the quarter issues so fourth quarter scoring Milwaukee Bucks lead the NBA, including tonight, 127 offensive rating in fourth quarters. Mm. I'll sign up for that. You know, there are plus 11 net rating in fourth quarters. Uh, third quarters, uh, 118 offensive rating. Second quarter, 126 offensive rating. Guys, why do why do we have to play first quarters? I, I, second through fourth quarters. Let's just focus quarter. on that. Uh, first quarter. Don't 103, 103 <laughs> offensive rating, minus six net rating. Um, so yeah, it's just been just a lack of urgency and just, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Right. I think Brooke had a good comment after the game. It's like, if I knew the answer, we'd, we'd fixed it, you know, uh, it just kind of is what it is, but um, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, def it's definitely not ideal. And uh, as you said, Justin, I think, on a night like this where you've got a crowd ready to go nuts and a Celtics team that I think was itching to, as you said, like, you know, if, if, if they win in Charlotte by 30, you probably feel I would have felt better about tonight's game, but they had something to prove. And, you know, again, I think they, at least for 44 minutes, they made a pretty decisive point about where they are relative to the Bucks and the rest of the league. And then again, they let go of the rope a bit. Eventually. I mean, ultimately they came in with the win. So, you know, right. again, I, I, I agree. No moral victories. We're too old for that shit. <laughs> but, um, but again, just sort of highlighting some of the good and bad of this Bucks team for sure, in terms of just uh, slow starts. And sometimes you can't finish strong enough when you start that slow. And like you mentioned, it's not something new with this Bucks team. Like this has been a theme for this team throughout this season so far. And I don't look at it as a moral victory, but just watching it, I was like, I couldn't believe how many bunnies the Bucks were missing. Shots where I'm like, oh, that's the right play to make. Like, it's Giannis taking on Peyton Pritchard at the rim, but Giannis is going too hard and just bounces off where I'm like, we don't normally see Giannis shoot this ineffectively so far this season. But against the Celtics, it always seems like it's something where he can't cross that, you know, 50% field goal percentage that Frank has pointed out multiple times and looking at it you're like well the Celtics don't have some of their you know Giannis stoppers on this team now so what does this look like when they're coming together now like who is going to be that guy and I felt like Giannis still got a lot of good looks but he was just missing things that he normally would make and I want to dive a bit deeper into that as well in addition to that just looking at the lineups because I mean before you even look at just the fact that these are two of the top teams in the East, there was so much narrative around both of these teams and both of these teams changed their rosters up over the summer. So I definitely want to talk a little bit more about how both of these rosters look when matched up with one another, since these are two teams that most people think will be in the Eastern conference finals. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you with 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national 24-7 streaming channel. Now, like what I was mentioning, this was our first up-close look of the Bucks' new big three going up against these new-look Celtics. We had questions about how matchups would look. Uh, and these are two teams, like I mentioned, that were seen as like Eastern Conference Finals favorites. Like these are the two teams when you're asking who's coming out the East, these were the teams that were mentioned the most. 
And I really want to know how you feel about how these two teams match up after seeing it for the first time tonight. Because one thing that stood out to me was watching Tatum and Brown. We knew that the wings in Boston were a problem. And in years past, the narrative has been around this team like, hey, Chris Middleton is a Boston killer on offense and years in the past on defense as well, where it's like Chris Middleton plays well in Boston. And 22 after the Bucs, you know, won that championship and Chris Middleton was injured. The narrative around it was, you know, if we had Chris, we probably would have won. And that might have been true for that situation. But seeing Chris Middleton's play now, um, after the, the injuries, I've mentioned before, it looks like he's losing some lateral quickness. And I'm a big Chris Middleton fan. I'm a big 22 stand. I still believe that he brings enough on the table offensively, although tonight he was cold from the field. But it just looks like he can't keep up or he couldn't keep up. Let me say it that way. He couldn't keep up with Tatum or Brown tonight in the fourth quarter. As you mentioned, Frank, he was able to play a little bit more physically. So it stood out where he's like, okay, he's, you know, they're missing a little bit more. Um, not sure if that was due to Chris or just fatigue by the end of the game at that point. But that stood out to me. And with that being said, I was like, man, the Bucks need some additional wing defenders. And this is the game where you really miss Jay Crowder, or at least the version of Jay Crowder that we've seen so far this year. Saw a little Ajax, came in with some energy, saw some Marjan tonight. Um, and both young guys did what they could. Marjan got cooked a few times by Brown, but it seemed like it might have just been one of those nights for Brown. Um, as for Tatum, you know, things were a little bit tougher for him, but knowing he came into the game feeling a little under the weather, um, that could have had something to do with it. But, hey, when you're on the court, what you do is all that matters. There's no excuses at that point. So, Justin, I'm just curious from you, like, what are some things that stood out to you when looking at how this Bucks lineup matches up with that Celtics lineup, especially with you saying, like, hey, this just made you feel like this trade should have happened anyways. Um, not great, but I, I didn't have high, <laughs> high expectations um, for that defensively. Cause you know, we've gone over ad nauseum that like the bucks are going to have to dominate around the basket with this team, because you're not going to be able to keep up with them on the uh, perimeter. And that was kind of, we saw a little more of it in the second half, but by no means was it like the blueprint. Um, was it was kind of like the Bucks, and it's it's the analogy that we've used for most of these 15 games. When you look at the transition defense, uh, specifically, is like they're kind of caught in the middle of do we try to keep up with the Celtics on the perimeter with inferior defenders for what they're throwing out there, or do we just say, okay, well, they're going to feast there, we're just going to destroy Boston around the uh, glass and on rebounding and points in the paint, and that's where we're going to. Uh, find our advantages and they just kind of were caught in the middle at times they would use that size at times they would get away from it and I think you either have to just say we're going to play the young guys and it hurts not to have Jay Crowder um, but against this team specifically I, I think we've seen enough of Boston through the years to know what to expect and we're, we're starting to see enough of this this iteration of the Bucks to know what you have that when you're playing this Celtics team, it's one or the other. Either you're, you're going to say, okay, we'll do what we did for stretches of that playoff series when we didn't have Chris and say, we're just going to be bigger and more physical than you, and that's how we're playing. Or you play with Giannis at the five, and you play the young guys. And you need Jay Crowder to help you out there as, as your small ball four. Um, but you got to play those young guys more because those are the only guys that we've seen that can keep up in all of those matchups, not just tonight against the Celtics, but everything on the perimeter that, you know, we've, we've talked about it. You guys have talked about it on other post games. I don't think it's hyperbole 15 games in 
to say that Andre Jackson Jr., despite the fact that he's young and he's still growing and learning and he's going to get calls to go against him, I think it's pretty clear he is already your best perimeter defender that you have. So uh, with this team, with guys that can score all around the perimeter, I think the Bucs are kind of caught flat-footed in, in not picking a lane, so to speak, of either be the bigger, more physical team or just say, all right, let's see what the young guys can do. And, and they didn't do that. They kind of fell in the middle, and I think you saw that for the first quarter and the first three quarters especially. Yeah, I, I don't think when you look at the Bucks defensively, I don't think with the starters, I don't think you like any matchup. And I think that really highlights the fact that Brooke Lopez and Giannis don't have favorable matchups against the Celtics defensively. Like who's Giannis supposed to guard? Like I, I actually would have liked to see him on Tatum more tonight than we saw. Um, we saw Chris on Tatum a lot. Um, you know, the first half I thought Chris just, I mean, if, if that was the only time you saw, you'd seen Chris Middleton this year, you would have been like, this dude's cooked. He's done. Like, that some of the missed shots on offense were super uncharacteristic, you know, not what we've seen the rest of this year. He's been talked about, he's been super efficient and effective offensively, defensively, obviously we know that, you know, he's not the guy that he was five, six years ago. Um, you know, again, we'll see if maybe he can get back to where he was a couple years ago. He was always liable to give up blow buys, even during like the title run. Like the only time KD got to the rim, was when Chris was on him. Sometimes he could just catch Chris flat-footed and blow by him to the rim. We saw that a, a, a few times today where either Tatum or Brown was able to just kind of catch him and, and get to the rim with easy. And, and those are the ones where you're just like, shit, you know, <laughs> that ain't good. Um, but Chris is also like pretty savvy, right? And he's not small. So when you get when you put him in these pick and rolls, you know, he navigates screens relatively better than pretty much you know, the rest of the Bucks, even the, some of the smaller Bucks wings. And he's not a guy that, you know, again, is is like, you know, a mouse in the house if if you get a switch and a post up against him. Um, again, he's not some big strong dude. He's not Kawhi Leonard, obviously, or something, but um, but he has some size and and some physicality that he can play with at times. Um, but it was just, I mean, the the some of the misses from him, I mean, he like just some of the body language from him after he missed, like he missed like a couple like layups, short bankers. And it was just like, Chris is just like WTF. Like what is going on? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, he kind of rescued the night a little bit. I mean, the, the fact that he ended up with, you know, 12 points, seven assists, no turnovers, five rebounds. Um, <laughs> like it was in, in many ways, kind of a save and probably the best stat for Chris tonight, 29 minutes. You yep. know, the fact that they yeah. let him run, we talked about he was at 23 minutes, could have gone up to 25 the other night if they had kept him in the last two minutes when they pulled the starters. So, again, like, hopefully this is a sign that, like, Chris is going to be able to play this this amount of minutes night in and night out when he's, ha when he's rested. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the first half in particular was, you know, it was just ugly. Um, and I think that kind of highlights, again, that you don't have – good matchups. And I think, um, I think if you were to put an Andre Jackson into the starting five, which again, I, I get why Griff doesn't want to do that right now because it puts a ton of pressure on, you know, Andre Jackson jr. To be the on answer. Him, what's plan B if, if it yeah. doesn't work. And then you yeah. bench in there. We, yeah. Cause we've talked about, it. and it was really more, I think we, we talked more about in the context of Marjon, like preseason, right? Like if you give him the boost and say, you're the starter and then things don't go well. And then it's just like, ah, oh, sorry, man you're, you weren't good enough or, you know, you didn't hack it. Um, then you always just worry about what, what that could mean. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, again, Malik Beasley has done 
kind of everything probably you can ask. He's shot the shit out of the ball, you know, like over the course of the season, only two out of three tonight hit uh, scored six points. But like we've seen oftentimes with this against the Celtics, like the, the guys who are supposed to spot up and shoot, just don't get many opportunities. Boston mm-hmm. can generally cover up pretty well. And they don't unfortunately need nearly as much help as you would want to slow down Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that to me was the biggest problem. I think if, when we think about Giannis, um, I mean, I feel like we it's a broken record where we talk about him like, oh, he's uncharacteristically missing layup against, layups against the Celtics. I mean, he couldn't move Sam Hauser a couple times in the first, the second quarter, like he got him matched up. And I was like, all right, put him under the rim, you know, do what we you were doing the other night in Washington. And, you know, he ends up like having to spin and he's kind of throwing up like, you know, hook shots on the move. And it's like, okay, well, he's gotten better at that this year, but I'm not shocked that some of these aren't falling. So well, Boston just, they did a really good job of dislodging him and Drew was the tip of the spear. And we talk about them losing Grant Williams, but, oh, you just brought in Drew Holiday, you know? And I don't think you, – you just can't have Giannis. I just think it's going to be so hard for Giannis to be initiating offense from 30 feet out when Drew Holiday is the defender, right? I mean, like, there's nobody better at kind of manage to, – to me, managing, like, anybody coming at you in a pick and roll, whatever it is. Um, so I think in those situations, you just got to put Giannis off the ball more if they're going to put Drew off ball. And again, like, okay, then they can switch fine, but then let Giannis get a switch and attack whoever, you know, his other, the other man was guarding. So, um, so I thought that was, you know, you know, that was frustrating, unfortunate. And I don't know. It just, it just seems like this Giannis, like Giannis doesn't look like he's expecting to play well when he's in Boston anymore. You know, (laughs) like it's just something about it. Um, especially over the last year, he's just really struggled. He just cannot score efficiently against them. And I think the other, the other issue though, I mean, defensively, like, like I was saying, like there isn't a natural guy for Giannis to guard and Mm -hmm. Tatum's maybe the closest, but Tatum's obviously got, you know, an ability to, to hit step backs and do stuff on the perimeter where Giannis, again, that's not really Giannis's game covering that far out because he's seven feet, 250 pounds, like guys that big don't do that. He's as good as anybody at doing that, but that that's, that's just not normal. So, and they don't have a lack of shooters, so he can't just kind of roam and like create chaos off the ball, right? Which and to me is, is the yeah, and to me that's like the thing I worry about is like suddenly if like you've got this you know Ferrari that like you know and and you're having to you know go off road or something like that. It's like well, what do you how do you use this? Like you know how do you how do you put him in a better position to succeed and Unfortunately, if you play like with Giannis the five, it's like, well, then you would have taken off your best offensive play, <laughs> offensive player for Lopez because Brooke was great. He had the little, you know, 15 the push, foot shot. push shot. It was back, Camille. We were talking about that being the bellwether of, you know, Brooke's game in some ways offensively. So, so yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's, it's absolutely a concern. Um, and at least I was encouraged that Drew sucked offensively at least. <laughs> <So he> <laughs> He finally had a three in the fourth quarter, but he didn't do anything offensively. And I think Justin, to your point, um, if you had said like, do you want that guy being your second best player uh, and having that be your like second best player after Giannis offensively, I'd be like, oh shit. Like, yeah, we would be really screwed if we were going into another year expecting Drew to be the guy that's going to carry the second unit or whatever. So, um, so anyway, but yeah, I think, I think the matchups are absolutely something to worry about. And yeah. Again, I think Dame can punish their big guys in pick and roll, you know, because obviously Porzingis doesn't want to switch and play super far out and things like that. But 
Um, but I think I'd be, I definitely feel like it's a bigger concern for the Bucs in terms of matching up right now because Boston has shown again and again, and they did it again tonight, that they can slow down Giannis. And, you know, I think Dame, Dame's going to do Dame stuff, but they at least have good options that they can throw at him. Frank, you mentioned something that stood out to me when talking about their defense and how do you play with, with this Bucks defense against this Celtics team and talking about, okay, well, now you're going to have Giannis on the perimeter. And one thing I noticed a lot throughout this game was when the Celtics were getting some open threes, it's like it's a communication breakdown that just happened here where you're seeing Giannis and Brooke having to be on the perimeter, holding guys like Al Horford or for uh, Giannis at times, Brown, and they're cheating off so far because they're just so used to being in the paint. And they're cheating off, they're helping off, and then they lose track of who they're guarding. And the next thing you know, the Celtics get an open three. And I definitely want to dive a little bit deeper into that in our last few minutes here that we have, just about perception of this team. Because another thing that I thought coming into the game was that, hey, the Bucks bench play should be something that stands out in this game. We have heard all season about how the Celtics bench isn't their strong suit. They only went three deep tonight, but yet and still those three guys outscored the five guys that came off of the Bucks bench tonight. So to end the show, I definitely want to dig in just a little bit really quick about how this game might have altered how you feel about the Bucks and the Eastern Conference hierarchy. So let's get into that after this quick little break. So like I mentioned, with this game, it's a measuring stick game. Coming into it, I was like, hey, if the Bucs win, don't be too high. If the Bucs lose, don't be too low. Like, it's a November game at the end of the day, but it's a measuring stick. So it's a game where you kind of like, okay, well, let's see how we're looking at this point. And to me, it looked like the Bucs still have some things they need to work out. And if they can clean that up, I can have a better idea about how much of this is actually, like, personnel or just the Bucs having these miscommunications and the miscues. So... Justin, I want to throw to you really quick while we have our last five minutes or so here. But after this three-point loss to the Bucks, do you feel any different about where you see the Bucks in the Eastern Conference hierarchy? Like the Celtics and the Bucks have been talked about as the two top-tier teams, and the 76ers have been hooping recently as well, um, coming back into that conversation. So did this game change any perceptions to you? No. Um, it, the result was expected. It didn't change my perception of the two teams. And I think, you know, Frank pointed out too the, the whole defensive matchups thing is what you really have to evaluate. I know not having Jay Crowder played a role, but let's be honest. It's not like Jay Crowder is the linchpin of your defense. That's going to change everything. Um, so it didn't change anything on that front for me. It, it just, it felt a lot more like the team we saw the first week of the season than it did the team that we saw last week. And it's still only 15 games into uh, this system with Griff and learning the new teammates and all that. So like that part, I get that you could explain some of what we saw, but it's just the, yeah, but this has kind of been like three years with, with these two teams. Uh, what I would point out though, is you mentioned kind of like a barometer game here. And I think the favorable part or the good part about the schedule with these four matchups with the Celtics is where they come mm -hmm. 15th game here that you played. Your next one is sometime in January. It'll be game number 36. Yep. Yeah. The one after that is game number 67. And your final one is game 77, which at that point, maybe neither of these two teams are, are playing for seeding, really. Uh, but the first three games, you know, like where it comes, they're nice checkpoints to see. We said it's going to take time. 
So have we seen that growth in each of these matchups? And, and that to me is the big thing to really focus on in the next three with Boston is have we seen marked improvement from this team? Because enough time will have passed where it's not just, okay, we play him again in a week and how much better has the team really got? Absolutely. Frank, I'm going to give you like a two-minute ISO. How are you feeling about uh, where the Bucks stand in the Eastern Conference? Do we have a frozen Frank? Will I throw it to him? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> we do. That is perfect timing. But uh, well, for look, my, let me. Oh, go ahead. Just really quickly, I was going to point out um, when we talked about defense, I did think it got better throughout the course of the game. It wasn't great, but it got better. And, you know, especially in the first half, everybody for the Celtics scored and hit a three, except for Drew Holiday. Um, for the game, every player scored double figures for the Celtics except through holiday. But what really stood out was what Boston did at the rim and their corner threes, the easiest shots in the league. They were just feasting the bucks on those. There were five of five on corner threes in the first half. They didn't get any in the second half. It's, it's not as if the bucks just put the clamps down, but they showed some improvement there. They got a little better at the rim. It still wasn't great that Boston, I think finished in the 98th percentile for their efficiency at the rim tonight. So you saw subtle growth, but nothing to really write home about and say, all right, I feel great about where things are headed. Yeah, Frank, the the computer freezing took up just about all your time. No, I'm joking. That, that was my rim check. That was my rim <laughs> check. That was my game rim check to end. That was getting hung by the rim at the end yeah. there? Yeah. The, I, I will point out, Justin, 21 to 23 for the Celtics at the rim. Not great. Uh, although they were they were one for eleven on short floaters, so you know you kind of like aggregate out the noise a little bit. There's oftentimes a little bit of gray area between how things get classified. One of the twenty six of twenty eight on on quarter threes and shots at the rim. It's yeah, not great. I think I think I think the challenge for the Bucks is like honestly, I feel like if you just try to switch more and almost like bait them into just playing one on one, and just you just hope that your small guys can at least keep dudes in front of them and hope that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to take, you know, 15 foot turnaround jumpers rather than start working the ball around. Cause I think that's when the Celtics offense really becomes dangerous is when their guys drive and draw help and kick. Cause they're not like a, they don't have like a pick and roll point guard. They don't have a Dame Lillard or even a Tyrese Maxey. Right. So they don't have kind of that typical, like go-to sort of action late in games, the way that, that we might say those teams do. Um, but when, again, they actually like get into actions where they start to attack a little bit and they can do kind of basic passing, kicking it out, working the ball around the perimeter. Like to me, that's when Boston's at their best. And we saw a lot of that, right? Where the Bucks mm -hmm. again, got into rotation and it felt like they were sort of chasing shadows. So, you know, they tried trapping a little bit. I think teams now like are ready for Robbie Portis to trap pretty much every, <laughs> pretty much every time. Like Al Horford was like finding uh, you know, corner threes every time it felt like that Bobby was trapping. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Bucks have some things to figure out. I don't think there's a silver bullet. I think, you know, you're going to need Giannis, Chris, Dame to be not what they were tonight in the first Absolutely. three quarters. Um, and again, yeah, I mean, if Giannis is this, then you're not going to win a playoff series, obviously. Uh, you need him at a way higher level and you need him to be way better than he has been over the past year plus against Boston, right? Even at the end of the the series uh, in 2022, when he had that monster series, he wasn't making many, you know, he was struggling to make shots against that Boston defense. And obviously they were loaded up against him. Now 
they're still figuring out a way to do it even with different dudes. So um, a loss is a loss. But as you said, Justin, we're going to get three more chances to see how these teams play each other. And honestly, like I just want to see the next time he's coming out. I, I, Bucks get off to a faster start. And I just think like psychologically, like even though Dame's new and I mean, Boston's got two new starters, two new high-end starters that they're working into. So it's not like they're just like the model of stability here and they don't have any changes that they have to figure out. Right. We use that as an excuse for the bucks, but lots of teams have changes, new coaches, whatever, and you know, don't go through all the same stuff. So, um, so yeah, you just hope that they kind of figure it out because as, as you're saying, like, psychological edge at this point after the last couple of years, if these teams meet in the playoffs, totally, that's a total Boston edge. I think at this point, um, you're gonna have to actually go win some games, you know, like last year, the bucks backed into an OT win against the Celtics, you know, C team or whatever it was when they rested all those dudes, uh, the two games, when the the real teams played bucks, got the doors blown off them. And, uh, Hey, progress tonight, I guess you, you had the doors blown off and you kind of put them sort of back on the car by the end a little bit. Um, but, uh, still not, still not a great play. Still not a great way to end the night. And, um, I think just a reiteration that yes, a five game winning streak does not mean that everything is now perfect and that, Hey, you're ready for the playoffs. I think we got a a reminder of that tonight. There's still a lot of work to do. Like we mentioned, there was too many turnovers tonight as well. There were times in the game where the Bucks could have cut that lead down to single digits in the third quarter and they turned the ball over and it's just kind of like Giannis, Giannis just like chucking the ball out of bounds when he's got like dunks. I, I, the, yeah, just It was too too many too many mistakes. The Bucks have some things they need to tighten up, but the good news about that is that we're only, you know, uh 15 games into the season, so they have some time to try and get that together. So, we're going to end the show here this week or this today um on that note. And as a reminder we're to everybody, be, we're ending it today after today. Right. As a reminder, though, uh, make sure you checked out Locked On Sports today. 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day with local experts from the Locked On Network. So make sure that you go and subscribe on YouTube to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. And on that note, you can catch us again on Friday previewing the next end-season tournament game. Uh, But until then, we wish you all well, and we're going to call it one. Happy holidays if you celebrate. Happy Thanksgiving.